Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Bad news. Eurovision's over for another year. The good news, though. We're off to Sweden in 2024. It's time for the Euro trip. As Jonal Asson always said, take it away. For me, Eurovision is much more than just a job. But it's part of me. Giannis, let me say, we were your first ever Eurovision interview way back in January. <laughs> I remember! <laughs> so Gisli Baltarsson, Iceland's commentator, welcome to the Eurotrip. Thank you very much and thank you for the Eurotrip. I've been listening to you. Being face to face, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> I was going to say, your beautiful face. <laughs> I was like, but it is cute. beautiful as well, though. We were talking on the phone. Yes. You want to have a hug? Yes, please. Yeah, that would be great. Cornelia Jacobs, congratulations. Thank you. Give me a hug. Hi there. My name is Martin Estadal. I am the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. You are listening to Eurotrip. Hello, and welcome to the Eurotrip, the world's favorite Eurovision podcast, with me, James. Me, Rob. And this week, we are going to be debriefing everything that happened last week for Eurovision 2023 with three very special guests. Yeah, we are going to look back at one of the great rivalries in Eurovision history that we saw play out on Saturday night. We're going to look back at Sweden versus Finland, at Sweden emerging victorious of the 2023 Eurovision Song Contest, matching Ireland's record of seven Eurovision wins and as we've already said, the contest heading back to Sweden once again in 2024. Yeah, James, there's so much to talk about, so many things we'd like to debrief, and we couldn't do it with one guest. We couldn't do it with two guests. We couldn't do it with three guests. Actually, we've had to use four guests to do the job, uh, one of which whose identity will remain uh, secret uh, for a little bit longer. Uh, but James, who are we talking to today? Well, we couldn't talk about Sweden at Eurovision without chatting to Toby Eck from Aftonbladet. Uh, he will be telling us what it was like to be in the press room when Loreen was announced as the winner. He'll tease uh, which city might be in the running to host the competition next year and who the hosts may well be as well. Uh, you might remember in the press centre last week when we were in Liverpool, I spoke to a Finnish journalist. Her name is Mila Olekainen. And uh, she's back in Helsinki now, so I get the reaction from the runners-up of this year's Eurovision from her and find out how Finland and Carrier are feeling right now. And I'll also be chatting to Harry Doyle from Liverpool City Council to debrief with him what must have been an extraordinary few months for the city. So we've got all that and more to come. You're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It's time for the Eurotrip.
So here we are then. It is the Euro trip. It's our first episode after the grand final of Eurovision 2023. And as we've already said, we're going back to Sweden. And therefore, naturally, there was only one person we could get on the podcast. Well, there was two. We'll hear from the other one shortly. But <laughs> the first who is joining us for today's episode, we met up with her in Liverpool. We had a lovely time. It's SVT's Eurovision reporter and Melody Festival and commentator talking to us live from Stockholm. Hello, Bella Kvist. Hello. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I was wondering how long it was going to take you to actually introduce her up because she was just dancing the whole time through excitement of <laughs> either being back on the podcast or just still in the high from Sweden winning. I'm going to choose one over the other. <laughs> Both. <laughs> I was um, I was going to say talking to us live from the host city of Eurovision 2024, but we don't know that for sure. And, we don't, and we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. But yeah, Bella, what are we now? We're, we're a few days on from, uh, from Sweden's win. Uh, how was Saturday night? Oh my goodness, it was tense. I was sat on the sofa with my lovely boyfriend who puts up with me with all this Eurovision mania and my cat who slept through the whole thing and uh, very tensely watching the voting and everything. Uh, my neighbor said, do you want to come over? I said, absolutely not. I need to watch it in silence. Um, and then once we won, Sweden won, um, my neighbor said, let's go do a little lap around the house to like celebrate. And I was too exhausted. I was just like, I can't, I need to lay down. <laughs> it was, oh, what a night. Yeah, super excited, super happy. Uh, still can't really believe it that Eurovision is coming back to Sweden next year. I'm pinching myself thinking about it. It's crazy. Very differently your celebrations when Lorene won in 2012. I feel like you've told the story before. You went out on a sort of a night out as well after Lorene won in 2012. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, went to Sheffield's premier gay establishment. I'm sure there are more that I don't think there was at the time. And uh, yeah, just like ran around the dance floor telling everyone that Sweden had won with the Sweden flag. And everyone was like, yes, we are aware. Um, yeah, it was great. Uh, a night I'll never forget. I have to fill you and the listeners in on kind of where me and James watched the, the Grand Final from. So we're in the Eurovision Village, which was an incredible experience, as you can imagine. I'm sure people have probably seen the pictures on social. Like It was unbelievable atmosphere there. So good. Uh, and we had a Swedish flag. I should say as well, not biased. I also, I've still got them as proof for you and everyone. <laughs> Bella, here you go. Look, I've still got my green and black nails uh, for nice. Kalia as well. And the Eurovision colours still oh, on my uh, lovely. On, on my left hand. Um, so I wasn't being biased. But yeah, on mine and James's way out of the village, we were still carrying the Swedish flag and uh, a journalist stopped us and he said, um, oh, congratulations. Can you talk about your country's win? At which point me and James had to turn around and say, I'm really sorry, mate, but we're not from Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> we could have done with you there, Bella. <laughs> oh, do you know this is similar to me because I was the reporter like, running around Liverpool for 48 hours trying to speak with everyone who's potentially a Swedish fan. And there were not, I didn't find many Swedes there, actually. I think maybe they all arrived later. I had to go back already on the Tuesday. Uh, but anytime I saw, obviously, blue and yellow, I was like, oh, and then mostly they were Ukraine fans or Ukraine supporters, understandably. Um, so, yeah, but I did manage to catch a few sweets who were very excited so i i feel for you and the other journalist who was like yes i found a swede um we can't get much further into today's episode without hearing from the woman herself from the history maker the first woman to win the Eurovision song contest twice of course we're talking about Lorene. here is a very small part of what she had to say in her winner's press conference on saturday night right now everything feels surreal like i, I can't really you know I am seriously overwhelmed. One feeling that I have in my body, it's like, and it's taken over. It's just gratitude. I feel so thankful to all of you guys. And Bella, at the time that we're speaking to you, you have just watched Lorene's homecoming. Because I know she stayed in the UK after winning the contest. She's just returned to Sweden. I mean, what were the scenes like in Stockholm? So... Today is a very grey day, it's raining, it's drizzly, pretty miserable out. But the whole of Kungsträdgården, the park where this was held, was full of Swedes. Everyone's super excited and happy to see Lorraine. And she 
performed Tattoo and I mean the vocals were as amazing as ever and people are so excited. Welcoming Queen Lorraine back to Stockholm. There was Edvard Ossilian, our commentator, was on stage. We had the mayor of Stockholm saying they'd be very happy to host it, but of course it's up to SVT to say who will, you know, be given the the honor of hosting it next year. Um, so yeah, really, really nice to have Sweden, Swedish winner Lorraine back in, on Swedish soil. Yeah, despite the weather, I bet the party in Stockholm will continue, I think, for a little bit longer yet. Uh, Talking of Sweden and talking of Swedes, uh, we mentioned that there were only two people we could probably speak to on today's episode. Uh, Belly, you are, of course, the first. Uh, The second has to be uh, the man in the hat from uh, the Liverpool Press Centre, who we saw many, many times. Uh, I am, of course, talking about Toby Eck, brilliant journalist from Aftonblad, a man who has been following Loreen for... Well, over a decade, he was there in Baku when she won in 2012, and he was with her on Saturday when she won the trophy. So I caught up with him a little bit earlier, found out everything that we need to know about what's going on in Sweden right now, including a little bit later on in this, where Sweden could host Eurovision next year, and who indeed could host the contest itself next year. But I kicked off by asking how he was feeling on Saturday night and what he was up to as Lorene won the trophy. It was, of course, both emotional and extremely, uh, I I was extremely happy for Lorraine's sake and and proud uh, for Sweden's sake. Uh, But then there was um, kind of, there there wasn't really a proper after party or celebration or anything. Lorraine had like a half a glass of bubbly with, uh, with her team and they had like canapes and that was it. So it felt a little bit, uh, short and a, a, a weird ending to a huge build-up, uh, and then also realizing uh, through the night uh, that uh, the only televoting country that hadn't voted for us was, of course, our main competitors, Finland, and that made me a little bit upset, actually. Do you think that was tactical? Do you think the people of Finland thought, well, actually, this is our best way of winning if we don't give Lorene any points at all? The, the thing is, I uh, it, we started thinking, how on earth did this happen? Because uh, th- this is highly unusual, and especially when, when the Swedish song has been uh, a hit in Finland already. Uh, and... Uh, so uh, and and we 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 were uh, we were discussing has there been a campaign of some sort has there been an online campaign or anything and then realizing that okay we need to who voted of course the viewers voted so we need to listen in on the finnish commentary and there was a slight uh, a small uh, uh, tongue in cheek comment made just as the voting opened uh, telling the viewers that well, uh, the comment uh, the commentator said something in the line of, uh, "As an anom- anonymous commentator uh, in our chat is suggesting, there uh, it is allowed. Tactical voting is allowed. Uh, however, you're not allowed to vote for Finland, and that small nudge might very well be the reason for uh, for Finland giving us zero points." Because the day after the final, Tattoo was number two in the Finnish Spotify, only beaten by Carrier. Well, it didn't work. Sweden yeah. won the Eurovision Song Contest. <laughs> Were you nervy at any point when you saw? <laughs> when you saw Jesus so- Christ, I, I was chasing my pants. <laughs> so, uh, oh. so, so, so when you saw Lorene top the jury vote, presumably you felt okay. But then when Finland's televote score comes in, you must have been uh, nervous. So. Uh, this is quite easy because uh, uh, it's either me or a friend of mine using a calculator. So you keep track of the score during the uh, during the televotes coming in. So uh, when uh, when uh, Israel's score were, were coming up, we knew that were she below two hundred, it was a Swedish win. So so as soon as we had that, uh, we knew it for sure, and uh, so. So that that very last minute wasn't nerve wracking, but up until then, it absolutely was. I'm pleased you had the calculator because us watching in the village on Saturday night, we had no idea what was going to happen. So at least you knew definitely what was going to happen at that point in the uh, in the results. Toby, you've got to ask, how has the reaction been in Sweden? You, you've equaled 
uh, Ireland's record of seven Eurovision wins. I did see somebody post a screenshot on Twitter of, I think, the front page of Afton Blada on Sunday morning, the paper that you work for, the company that you work for. And they said, oh, look at this. Sweden have got too used to winning Eurovision. Lorene's win is 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 not even the front page. Well, it was on the front page, but it wasn't the main headline. Toby, have you got too used to winning Eurovision in Sweden? No. Uh, and uh, th- this this is absolutely... Uh, something that I need to explain because this is purely technical. None of the Swedish newspapers have a deadline late enough for the Eurovision results to be able to be in the printed edition on the Sunday morning. So, uh, so what was on the front page, it was either our, like our digital uh, edition that we, uh, updated, uh, or it was the Monday paper. Swedish newspaper circulations have dropped, uh, have dropped very much the last ten years. So, so all newspapers go to print in the afternoon or early evening for distribution the day after. So they they're not really current news, but rather more analytic or or uh, or more. Um, current affairs, but not uh, breaking news. So that is the reason for none of the Swedish newspapers having the Lorraine victory on the front page. But it was all over the news. It was on every. It was topping every every website. It was on all the TV channels, all the radio channels. I think that we had on Aftonbladet. Uh, as our online splash, meaning the the head news was Eurovision related most of the day from from the broadcast at night through the morning. It might have disappeared, gone a bit lower in in the uh, in the mid of the day, and then it, it was top news again in the afternoon. Uh, um, so so it was it was something that we covered extensively and every swede celebrated as well it's all testament to the work that you and your colleagues at aftonblad have been doing that eurovision has been as you said you know so prominent in in all of your coverage over the last week and and more so ever since melody festival and i imagine and of course during melfest toby all eyes now look ahead to 2024 where's it gonna be who's gonna host what do you know (laughs) what i know is that stockholm is extremely eager to host it um, um, the um, city hall, but also the the chamber of commerce in Stockholm, have uh, they started having meetings already in March uh, wh- when they were like, Jesus Christ, Sweden might actually win this year. We wanted to come to Stockholm because they were so proud and very very satisfied with the 2016 uh, uh, setup. So they are very much working for and hoping to bring it back to the capital. But there will be contenders. Malmö will absolutely be in there. Um, not sure about Gothenburg because Gothenburg would have to spend a couple of hundred million euros or pounds to build a new arena. The, and, and it's not possible. Swedish legislation wouldn't make it possible for them to do that in a year. And the arena that hosts Melfest in Gothenburg cannot host Eurovision because it doesn't meet the requirements. I'm also saying that um, the, there's uh, a small city in, in the north of Sweden, Ankarlsvik, that has hosted Melfest a couple of times. At least 2016, they were quite eager to get it. So they might be a small joker in the, in the game. But my bets would still be on Stockholm. And, of course, everybody is asking, is Petra Meda going to return to host Eurovision once again for the third time? Is she going to host in 2024? What can you tell us, Toby? What do you know? Being the fanboy as I am, I really keep my fingers crossed that she will. Um, but she is now, um, she has less, left SVT and works for the main competitor, TV4. And I think that internal politics within SVT would make it a little bit tough to uh, have somebody working for the main competitor um, come over for just a small um, for, for just a one th- one-time gig doing Eurovision. But what my hopes are is that if if they can get her and Mons doing it together again, 
that might make it a little bit easier for the um, um, for SVT to kind of swallow uh, the fact that they're bringing in someone from a competitor, uh, and that might sway the internal politics, understanding that if we do this, this is what the fans really, really wish and hope for. So I'm just keeping my fingers crossed. Well, the idea of Petra Mons doing Eurovision again in 2024 is definitely going to get the fans excited. Toby, before we go, hilariously, I now have to reveal where you are talking to me from. Toby, where are you right now? Uh, I'm sitting in uh, Vanta Airport in Helsinki, so I'm in enemy territory as we speak. Have you felt the need to, I suppose, talk a little bit more quietly because you're talking to me about Sweden's Eurovision win? Are people looking at you now enviously? I was contemplating taking my cap off, but I haven't gotten a single side eye. So it isn't as much of an uproar here as the Finnish newspapers have wanted to make it sound like. Well, Toby, you're in the airport because you're off on a holiday. It's a very (laughs) well-deserved holiday. Uh, So go and enjoy that. Have some time to yourself. And thank you so much, as always, for joining us throughout the last year here on the Eurotrip podcast. You always bring such a brilliant insight and contribution to us here. So a huge thank you to everything you've done. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Great as ever to chat to Toby Eck here on the podcast. I should have a tally about how many times Toby and Bella have been on the podcast. I say I should have a tally. You know fine well I have a spreadsheet of all the guests who have ever appeared. I just need to update it from the past few weeks and then we can find out which one has been on the most times. (laughs) It's an honour to be on with Topper though. He knows everything there is to know about Eurovision. And and you also pronounce his name correctly. We just give him the the anglicised name of Toby, whereas he's actually called Bella... Tobbe. Can Can we have the full name? Go on, full name. Toby Eck. Oh, so <sighs> good. <laughs> Much better than Toby Eck. Much better. That's pretty cool in English, I'd say, yeah. <laughs> Bella, there are so many things that we could talk about from what Toby was saying there. Uh, we'll talk about that naughty, naughty comments from the Finnish uh, Eurovision commentator a little bit later on. We'll talk about that. Uh, and the uh, nil point from the Finnish televote. Uh, but... Uh, the big questions that have uh, remained ever since Sweden won the contest, of course, were, where's it going to be? Who's going to host it? If we start with where's it going to be? I mean, naturally, you know, you're in Stockholm. I'm sure you wouldn't hate it if it came came there. But there are plenty of options available for SVT. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I was listening with interest to Tobbe because I feel like he had some great insights there. And from the sounds of it, it could, yeah, it could really be anywhere but Stockholm is looking like a contender and as you say I'm Stockholm based I wouldn't hate it um but I have no idea so I'm despite being SVT's reporter this year I have no insight sadly into you know the the proceedings of this so I I, I don't know um no, as much as you, I'm afraid. <laughs> Isn't that incredible, though, that uh, Stockholm as a city was sort of planning this since March because they sort of got an idea that it may well be coming to them next year. That just shows mm-hmm. the commitment Sweden has to this contest. Yeah, and I mean, I remember what how amazing it was when it was here last in 2016. It was, uh, if we could have that again, I'd be very happy. It was great. But it would be in Malmö or anywhere else as well. I mean, being in Liverpool and just seeing how Eurovision takes over the whole city. It's, ah, oh, it's magical. We will talk more about Liverpool and how they hosted the contest. And I'm sure anyone listening to this who was in Liverpool had the opportunity to come will know what an incredible atmosphere it was. So we've got uh, Councillor Harry Doyle who headed up Liverpool's Eurovision bid coming up a little bit later on, on this episode. I mean, Bella, surely, you know, Sweden is the only place that could host a contest after everything we saw in the UK. Everyone was saying the UK embraced it so well. Surely it's only a country like Sweden that can do something similar. Oh, I don't know. I think it's, it's difficult to say. I'll, uh, I'll say what Edward Avsilian said on stage moments ago when he was introducing Lorian for her com- homecoming gig. Uh, that uh, Sweden is the home of Eurovision. These are his words. Um, and that Sweden is will look after Eurovision very well. And I, I agree with that. I think we'll uh, give it our all because we, we do love Eurovision very, very, very much. I'm fascinated at the prospect, though, of a trip to, and I always get this uh, pronunciation wrong. Is it Önhöldsvik? Önhöldsvik. I've never yeah. been. I'd love to go. I mean, uh, Melody Festival was there for uh, second chance round this year, I believe. Mm. Um, yeah. And 
Am I right in saying? I think. I think I'm right in saying. Is it inside the Arctic Circle? Oh, you put me on the spot there with geography. You know, the Stockholmers, we're not known for knowing anything above Stockholm. We're just like everything above us is north. Um, sadly, that kind of applies to me. It's all right. You and, you and James keep chatting and I'll have a look. The only reason I mention it is because the idea of having a Eurovision Song Contest inside the Arctic Circle is a very exciting prospect. But I'll keep checking. I'll be back in a second. You guys carry on. Yeah, Bella, I want to pick you up because you mentioned Edward Asilian uh, before, who is Sweden's commentator at Eurovision. He's also the man behind Love, Love, Peace, Peace in 2016. Mm. He did the incredible script that year. I know we might mention potential hosts for 2024, but how incredible would it be to have him back involved in the contest next year, delivering us a, just a superb contest all round? I mean, he is a genius, right? Uh, he, oh gosh, that contest that he wrote, just everything he touches turns to gold and he's so good at this. He knows everything. He knows what, what the fans want and he has this wit, this humour that really works and that would be great. And, and it was funny because he was on stage together with the CEO or the head of SVT sort of saying, well, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be working with us next year and she sort of just looked at him and said nothing. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who knows, who knows. He must be equally as keen to to be involved, but also in cold sweats, thinking of how best to try and replicate or, or go on better than 2016. Right. Yeah, that's some <laughs> some pressure. Yeah. Uh, Rob has put his phone down. Uh, I presume, have you done some research? Is it or is it not inside the Arctic Circle? I can confirm that Unholzvik is uh, not, unfortunately, inside the Arctic Circle. But <sighs> I do believe uh, it will be one of, if not the most northerly Eurovision Song Contest ever. If it that were there. Very cool. You were talking about who might be involved. You're talking about Edward Absilian. Uh What about hosts? I asked Toby uh, about Petra. It sounds like he wasn't ruling out that it could be Petra and Mons, mm. which is going to get Eurovision fans very, very excited. Yeah, I, I, uh, I have no insight. I'm very sorry. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Of course, that would be amazing. But we have many amazing hosts. I would like to say in Sweden. I love that we are putting SVT's Eurovision reporter on the spot. And given that you, <laughs> given that you have been SVT's Eurovision reporter, I appreciate there are very, uh, there are very much things that you can and cannot say. So, better very sorry <laughs> for putting you on the spot. Would you like a quick 30 seconds to pitch yourself to be one of the presenters, Bella, for, for next year? Because this is a, an open platform. You're more than welcome to. <laughs> I wouldn't hate the idea of being involved in some capacity when Sweden hosts Eurovision, but I will leave it to the powers at be. Uh, but um, it would be fun. Well, we might have the hosting lineup on this podcast because, I mean, me and James have got green room experience from uh, from <laughs> ESCZ in uh, Czechia earlier in the year. So we could do the green room. You could do the big, you could do the main thing. Sorted. There we go. <laughs> yep. Perfect. Uh, Bella, we are now going to move on to talking about Finland because we have to, of course, talk about Finland, uh, the winner of uh, the public vote on Saturday night. Can you just give us a bit of an insight before we talk more about Finland into the rivalry that exists between Finland and Sweden? We're going to hear more about it in a second, but I want to hear mm. from a Swede what your perspective on it all is. Mm. I mean, so there is this athletic competition called Finnkampen, which is literally the Finn fight, uh, where we, uh, where well, it's just Sweden and Finland who fight. And I'm, I've grown up with watching this. So like they do, what is it called in English? Outdoor athletics. Athletics, running and these kind of things around a stadium. You know, I'm not a sports expert, that's why I don't, <laughs> don't comment on that. Um, <laughs> but Finland and Sweden, yeah, we're like, we, we, we love each other, but there's always this rivalry, definitely, because we also do well at the same sports, you know, skiing, ice hockey, music, as it turns out, you know. Has there ever been this rivalry in Eurovision before? Because I feel like this seems a bit new, a bit fresh, is it? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to... Sweden has generally done a little bit better than, than Finland. <laughs> you would say I that. Don't want, you know, <laughs> so... Uh, but uh, no, I was... I love that song. Like, Karia, what a performer. Um, the performance is great. And I play it all the time myself when running to it this afternoon. Um I mean, so it would have been a super worthy winner as well. I would, I just have to say, I love the song. But of course, I was always rooting for Lorian because that's, that performance just gives me goosebumps every time. Um, and she's such an amazing artist. So a very worthy winner, I, I think. Yeah, I think we were very lucky to have the top two 
at Eurovision that we had this year. Well, and, and for the Nordics, I mean, the, the top three. Didn't Alessandra do so well for Norway as well? I mean, amazing, right? I was, yeah, very proud of our, our neighbouring countries and with such, like, different songs as well, in a way. There were, you know, um, yeah, super, super fun to see. Yeah, top three in the telly vote, I should say, the Nordics. Not top three overall, but top three in the telly vote. Uh, Bella, shall we, shall we hear uh, what the other side are uh, feeling? <laughs> shall we do it? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> well, in the press centre on Friday, I was lucky enough to uh, chat to Mila Olekainen. Uh, she is an entertainment journalist from Finland, from Helsinki. And we spoke on Friday ahead of the final. And she said, you know what? I think we can do it. She mentioned that uh, Tampere in uh, in Finland had already block booked some hotel rooms in preparation for them potentially winning the contest. Well, they didn't, unfortunately, as we know. You did over in Sweden. Uh, so I wanted to catch up with Mila a few days later, hear how she was feeling, how Finland were feeling and how Karia was feeling after everything that happened in Liverpool. So here's what happened when we caught up a little bit earlier on. So Mila, welcome back to the Eurotrip podcast. First question has to be, how are you feeling after your country came so close to winning Eurovision for the second time? Well, of course, it was a disappointment at first, but for us, um, the second place is is a great result. I understand that many people in Finland are very, very disappointed, and there has been a lot of debate on this uh, until now. Um, although I think it's a bit cooling down already, so uh, I think everything is uh, everything's going to be fine. We are used to losing to Swedes, so. Well, you're talking to me just after. I think Finland have just lost to Sweden at something else. Do you want to tell everybody what uh, what you were talking to me about just before we started this interview? Yeah, there's a um, world championship on uh, ice hockey going on now, actually in Finland. And uh, yesterday we lost to Sweden in penalty shots uh, <sighs> by 3-2. But this is the beginning of the tournament, so I am hoping that we will meet again in the finals. So you can still potentially get the ultimate revenge in the final. Yes, yes uh, that's the dream final every every time to be uh, against Sweden. Now, Mila, of course, yes, Finland did come second at the Eurovision Song Contest, but Carrier did win the public vote. Has that been what a lot of the discussion has been around after this Eurovision? You know, if the rules were changed, if it was only the public vote involved in deciding the winner, Finland would have won the contest. Has there been a lot of talk about that? Yeah, that's the main main subject, I think, around this, that we should get rid of the juries or we should reduce the, the, the how do you say that? The, maybe maybe juries should be just 25% of the results or something like that, as in actually in Finland, Finland national final, the juries get to get uh, 25% of the result. But um this is not the first time that uh, the most popular song doesn't win. So I don't know. It was a landslide, of course, in televotes for us. But but uh, this is these are the rules. Uh, I don't actually uh, mind it so much. Um, you can actually the the hardest thing to swallow for me was that there were so many uh, juries that gave us nothing, and. Um, I I can't really understand that they didn't appreciate the originality of the song and the energy of the performance so much. For instance, Germany and UK didn't give anything. That's that's um, the most hard, the hardest part for me. <laughs> and, and then it's interesting you mentioned that because I was talking to a Swedish journalist earlier, and of course Finland didn't give Sweden any points in the public vote. So. <laughs> you yeah. know, there was there was a bit of a bit of tactical voting. Do you think there? I, I think the Finnish commentator may have said something before uh, the voting lines opened. Uh, yeah, I'm not not actually sure what he actually said, but I I have a few things about uh, a few things to say about this televote thing because, well, first of all, I can see why it makes us look a bit petty and small. But uh, yeah, and I think there must have been a lot of people who thought that this time I will not vote for Sweden, no matter what, no matter how good song they have. I will not vote for Sweden. But I also think that there there must have been a lot of people who 
maybe didn't think that toxically about this. They just thought that, well, maybe I can choose something else than Sweden this year. There were a lot of uh, good songs to choose from. And, and also, the Swedes are now forgetting one thing. I have watched Eurovision from the 80s. And I can remember many, 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 many years when they gave us zero points. So uh, I don't know, maybe this kind of bitterness was also bubbling under here, that this became this year became like a channel to uh, to uh, get this out of our system, this bitterness of years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can we talk about Carrier? Of course, we have to talk about him because... He is a man that captivated Eurovision audiences watching on TV. He had the entirety of Liverpool eating out of the palm of his hand throughout the entirety of the last week. I know I've se- I've seen some clips of him where, you know, he seemingly seems quite disappointed that he wasn't able to bring home the victory. But, I mean, the reaction to, to him since he returned to Finland must have been, you know, largely very, very positive. Oh, yes. Um, people love him now even more, I think. And uh, there were people, there were a lot of fans uh, waiting for him in the airport. There was, for instance, this 94 years old, years old lady there. Uh, there have been pictures about them, of them together. And uh, no one is blaming him, of course. Um, he has said that he is not a good loser. And I can understand that he is disappointed. But, um, well, when the summer comes, um, he will be performing in in many festivals in in Finland and he will be a big star there and I I think he'll go he's going to be fine too with this. So Finland have have finished second this year. They've come so close. But but over the last few years we've seen Finland's interest in Eurovision really kind of soar and it seems that your country really do want to win this competition. Do you think that's going to continue in 2024? You know, the urge to to win is going to be stronger than ever. Absolutely, and I think the it there has been a a, a big interest in the UMK uh, competition uh, even this year earlier years, but now I think it will be a, a big one. Like everyone wants to to uh, participate and try try to uh, make a song that and a performance that would 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 um, charm Europe again. I'm sure of that. Sure of that. And presumably for the Finns, there would be nothing better than winning Eurovision on Swedish soil next May. Oh, yeah. I have to say that uh, when it comes to hockey, we actually won the first championship, uh, world championship uh, in Stockholm uh, against Sweden in 95. That's like our national, I don't know, big story (laughs) that we won them once at least. Well, maybe you can have another one next year. Oh, well, Mila, thank you so much for chatting. It was brilliant to catch up with you before the final in Liverpool. And uh, and thank you for talking to us as well after the uh, after the results have come in. So really, really appreciate it. Thank you. And greetings from Rainy Helsinki. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You're listening to The Eurotrip, the world's favorite Eurovision podcast. When you aren't listening, find us on social media at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. So yes, here we are then on the penultimate episode of the Eurotrip for the 2023 season. I think that's the first time we've said it out loud. So apologies if that's shocking news to you or hopefully That was a clean. shock to me. Sorry, Bella. Where are you going to go? I'm going to miss you in my podcast player. <laughs> We're going to have a few weeks off like like many oh. other people. Uh, Bella well Crisp, by the way, is, is still with us. Thank you, Bella. Um, great to chat um, all about Finland there. Uh, Rob, two guests you've spoken to so far in, in, in Helsinki. Is that a rule for, for today's podcast 
Yeah. Uh, that's what we're doing. I've not told you this. That's what we're doing for the entirety of the 2024 Eurovision season. We can only <laughs> speak to guests in Helsinki, which may make the whole thing very difficult, given the contest now in Sweden. But I had banked on Carrier winning, so I just made made that a rule. And now we've got to take the boat. Perfect, 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 perfect. One of the big things that we have to talk about is something that's come up with our two interviewees thus far. Um, they've both spoken about it, I mean, because I brought it up. Uh, the fact that uh, Finland were the only country that didn't give Sweden any points uh, in the mm-hmm. televote. We've talked about the rivalry. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, Toby was saying, wasn't he, that I think the Finnish commentator may or may not have said, you know, oh, tactical voting is allowed in Eurovision if you want. And maybe that stopped mm-hmm. uh, Maybe that stopped Finland getting any televote points from Sweden. Uh, but Bella, you've been looking into the detail and it wasn't as if the Finnish people put Lorene last, is it? You know, it's not like she didn't get any votes at all. No, I read somewhere that we, oh gosh, me and numbers, but like came 13th or something in the, so we, but we didn't manage to get any points, obviously, because you only get the top 10. So yeah, but I mean, yeah, I was surprised when I was looking into the stats the next day. Oh, oh, no, none from, from Finland. But you know, I don't know. I, I sort of get it as well. You know, you want your country to do well. You want your representative to do well. I don't I don't blame them too much. Well, it has opened up a, a whole different can of worms, hasn't it, when it comes to the Eurovision Song Contest this year and what might happen going forward. And I should say as well, I suppose this is entirely our own fault as well, because when we spoke to Martin Osterdahl this week, or the week <laughs> just gone, uh, the executive supervisor when we were in Liverpool, I did ask him the question, do you think 100% televote might return in the future? He didn't rule it out, did he? Uh, but James, we've been looking at kind of how the results of Eurovision may have been different or looked at, you know, when the, the televote winner hasn't gone on to win the contest. Uh, so again, Bella, I don't want to say it's all your fault, but when Sweden last won it in 2015, again, you didn't win the televote. Italy won the televote that year. Uh, and then we had a different winner of the televote to the actual winner in 2016 as well, when you hosted Sweden all was involved. And then of course, Duncan didn't win the televote either when the Netherlands won in 2019. So it's not like it hasn't happened before. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because you look at the last eight winners and four of them have won the televote and then four of them haven't. But you've got to remember that, haven't you? That it's not just a a song contest for the viewers at home. We've also got professional juries there for a reason. You know, it's very rare that the the winner comes from both the televote and the the jury vote camp. So, you know, as much as we're having this debate now, we we could equally have had this over the last eight years as well. I, I, I don't know. Like, it's difficult to comment on. I feel like everyone enters the competition knowing the rules. And, um, you know, everyone sort of won fairly squarely. Um, and, uh, and you know, I, and by the sounds of it, the EBU are looking at different or potential other options next year. And I don't know. I mean, I would imagine that you sort of when you do something as big as the Eurovision Song Contest, you look over what went well, what didn't you analyze things. That sounds healthy to me to look things over. But I have no opinion on, you know, what they should or shouldn't do. Um, And as I said, yeah, everyone played by the rules and this was the result. I'm uh, I'm going to have an opinion on what they should do because I'm allowed to have an opinion, but feel free to not comment on my opinion. Uh, the juries have to stay. I remember what Eurovision was like when it was 100% televote and I don't want to go back to that world. So the juries have to stay. Maybe the juries could be changed slightly. Maybe there could be a bit of an evolution in how the juries work. We've been asking for more people to be on those juries for a long time. Um, maybe the jury percentage, maybe not 50-50, but the juries have to stay in some form, James. I'm glad you have an expressed an opinion. I'm going to remain oh, neutral you're not even going to express an opinion. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, going to, wow. I'm going to join Bella's camp in being entirely neutral and not tell you my opinion one way or another. Fair enough. Uh, one thing you can do for us, though, sh- if we have a look at kind of the rest of the contest, because we haven't really spoken about, you know, kind of who else did well, who didn't do well on Saturday. Um, James, you put out a brilliant thread of... Uh, I think you termed it yourself, absolutely useless facts and stats from Eurovision 2023. Which I am going to apologise for because I, I, I did at the end of it say that this was my uh, application to work with Gustav Darlander next year. And then I, I ended up chatting to him afterwards and he said he was a bit disappointed that I called them useless stats because he said nothing <laughs> is a useless stat when it comes to Eurovision <laughs> and welfare. So Gustav, I know you're probably listening, apologies I really didn't mean to call them useless because I love them probably just as much as you did. So sorry. Um, but yes, I did. I put some stats together. I don't know. Do you want to hear one of them, Rob, or all of them? Probably no, James, I want all more. of them. I legitimately want every single on. one. And I'm sure Bella does as well. 
Yep. Do we, have, do we have time for them all? I don't really think we should. So I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm only going to pick you out a couple, which were the interesting ones for me were that um, this year was the first time in which the uh, the last performers in the running order of the semifinals both won the semifinal. That's never happened before, which is quite interesting, which shows maybe that performing later in a semifinal is um is to your advantage. Uh, and another one on the uh, on the semifinals is that Australia have now won three out of the semi-finals in which they've competed in, which is an incredible run for them, isn't it? And James, I mean, there's so many more in here. I think my favourite, uh, Germany have now finished... Um, is it Germany have now finished in every single position? That's Spain, actually, yeah. Spain have now finished in first and second and third, all the way down to 26th. So they're probably a bit disappointed they didn't finish at 27th and last when we had 27 in the final in 2015. <laughs> I don't think they are disappointed that they didn't well, do that. Maybe not. Maybe not for the full Eurovision bingo anyway. <laughs> I should say we will be talking a little bit more about everything that happened in uh, in Liverpool. And, you know, when it comes to the scoreboard and, and things like that and who did what and who finished where and, and the UK and stuff a little bit later on uh, on our podcast next week, our series finale. Uh, also got another special guest joined up who will be uh, helping us round up the action from Liverpool. But, Belly, you were in Liverpool. Hmm. I mean, what an incredible host city! I mean, so many people, so many people have said it already. Um, but I mean, I don't think we can express anymore. Kind of how how joyous the whole Eurovision bubble in Liverpool was this year. It was great. I was only there for forty eight hours, but they were the best forty eight hours. And I mean, the people, the the city, all the blue and yellow everywhere, and oh my goodness, it was so great. And I, my job was literally to run around and speak to anyone who looked like they might be a Eurovision fan. And they were they just all gave me so much energy and joy and everyone was so happy. Oh, I uh, I felt it was really difficult to leave mid, mid Eurovision week, I will say. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget those, those days in Liverpool. And can I just say, I know I've probably said it before, but the amount of people where I said, oh, you know, I'm here from SVT and would, would you mind chatting with me? And then to say, you Bella from the Euro trip. Um, <laughs> I'm not lying. This happened a lot of times. So shout out to everyone who recognised me from the Euro trip. Well, that's very nice. And uh, if you were one of those people, you're welcome. Bella's back again. <laughs> in, in 12 months' time, people are coming up to Bella in the street going, are you Bella from the host of Eurovision 2024? That's what'll <laughs> happen. <Yeah. laughs> That's not going to be the case. But, uh, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, should we should we chat a bit more about the the general vibes in Liverpool? Because I think anybody who was there, around half a million people flocked to Liverpool uh, for the competition last week. I think anybody you would chat to would tell you that Liverpool really put on a show. And you know, over the last couple of months, we've been chatting to people in Liverpool to find out what it's been like. And and one of those, and I think the first person from Liverpool we did chat to, uh, was Councillor Harry Doyle. He's part of the council team in Liverpool and was one of the the leading figures in their initial bid to host the contest. Well, I thought it would be worth catching up with them again to find out what the mood is like now that it's all over and to find out really how proud he is of his city of putting on this magnificent contest. So this is what happened when I caught up with Harry a little bit earlier on. Harry Doyle, welcome back to the Eurotrip. How are you feeling a few days on? I am a little tired. (laughs) <laughs> but no, love to speak to you again. It's been absolutely bonkers, hasn't it? And uh, no, it's just amazing. I need a lot of sleep, but um, it's been, yeah, I, I feel great. I think it's gone really well. So very, very happy. <laughs> it's a full circle moment for us as well, because the first time we spoke back in, what was it, October when Liverpool announced, you were on the road, you were in uh, just outside of New York City, I think. Uh, this time, not quite as glamorous, but you, uh, you're out and about again, aren't you? I'm literally standing outside King's College in Cambridge. Um, <laughs> I'm here for a work conference um, for my day job. So, yeah, I mean, you always catch me at the best times. <laughs> <laughs> Let's chat about last week. Can you give me, I don't know, can you try and pinpoint a, a highlight of the last week or, or just the last few months as well as Liverpool was gearing up to host and then the, the competition week itself? Can you pinpoint a favourite moment? I mean, there, there are quite a few, to be honest with you. I think two point moments for me, actually, I think. Um, last week, and it was last Thursday, we took the Ukrainian ambassador to actually one of my local schools in Nottia, so right outside the city centre. And essentially what they were doing, we had a huge Ukrainian party um, in, in the school. And it's a school that's really, really special. They, they teach children sign language. 
um, and they had taught themselves Ukrainian sign language, and they uh, they signed the Ukrainian national anthem to the um, to the ambassador and his wife, and um, there were some Ukrainian dancers there as well, and they were just in tears, and um, as was I. But I think it was just evidence of what we were trying to achieve as a city. For us, it wasn't just an event in the arena; it was a city-wide effort, and I think people felt that. And you know, right across our communities, there were things going on. We had, you know, we had grants that supported activity right across the city and the region, and that was just one of them. And I think for me, that was that stands out as a special highlight. We we got a huge sense as well about just how much else was going on in the city as well, because I think earlier this week we got some some estimations on some visitor numbers as well to the city. What was it? Nearly half a half a million people flooded to Liverpool. <laughs> Well, yeah, we we had literally projected around 150,000 people would come to the city. Um, and actually, figures have shown over half a million people actually descended on Liverpool. So, <laughs> I mean, it was just unbelievable. But, but you know what? It really puts a, a perspective on, you know, when, when we went to, in for the bids and people were saying, oh, you know, what what is the benefit of Eurovision? It costs the yada, yada, yada. Actually... For Liverpool, it is it's done as wonders, and you know the amount of visitors. I don't think people realise. I mean, we do. You know, we're both fans. How big Eurovision actually is. It's not just the the final. You know, it's not just the two semi-finals. A lot of things, a lot of things go on around that, and particularly because of everything that we did in the city, all the projects and the programmes that we had. You know, actually, visitor numbers were huge, um, and so over over I say half a million people, we projected. Again, originally around 25 million economic impact just in that week. We're looking more well, well over 40, um, uh, 40 million. So, you know, it's just been absolutely tremendous for the city. These are, you know, these been really difficult times, particularly, you know, a few years after the pandemic, but still struggling. A load of businesses have said to us beforehand they were so close to closing, but Eurovision, they were hanging on for it and, and they were hoping that that would, you know, see them through. And, and it has. So it's, it's just been a real lifeline for them. And do you think this really shows just how much Eurovision means to people here in the UK? You know, after some pretty, you know, struggle, struggle years, shall we say, over the last couple of decades. Uh, but, you know, over the last couple of years, Eurovision has sort of had a rebirth in the UK. And we, we kind of saw that last week with the with the atmosphere in the city. Oh, no, 100 percent. I mean, listen, Liverpool is what I find really special about last week and, and, and the whole Eurovision experience in Liverpool as a scouser is, you know, uh, we are huge on football. You know, whenever we talk about, you know, bringing sport and events to the city, it's so easy to get things over the line. It's so easy to tell that. And, you know, Eurovision was a little harder at first, but then people just embrace it. And the fact that we've got a city which is A, football mad, but now B, absolutely Eurovision mad is just unbelievable and you know it's just it's just testament to the city that we have how inclusive it is and how special you know and, and how how it just embraces anything that comes our way um so but no i mean you're absolutely right the revival in the uk is 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 it's great i mean of course we didn't do too well overall but i think may still still did a fantastic job i think the spirits have definitely been lifted overall the bbc's done a fantastic job with all the programming um and i mean it was the most watched grand final uh, ever in the uk and you must be waiting ready and waiting for for another uk victory because i guess what does liverpool want to do this all over again well listen Martin said himself that he will happily host Eurovision in Liverpool every single year. We are standing ready and waiting. Absolutely. <laughs> We'd bite your hands off to do it. Uh, and if Sweden, you know, they've got some issues with their um, one of their arenas, and is it Malmo, I think, and if Stockholm don't want to do it, absolutely, we'll, we'll host it on their behalf as well. We'll have a good party. <laughs> oh, waiting in the wings, just uh, just as we like to see. Oh, Harry, this has been great to, to catch up again in the aftermath and uh, sort of this full circle moment. So well done on a great event. And maybe in a few years' time, if it comes back to Liverpool, maybe we'll chat again soon. Oh, it's been lovely. Thank you so much for being part of the journey as well. And, and you know, it's just been amazing. And I hope it goes down the history books and, you know, people come back. People come back and see us. I'm sure they will. Harry Doyle, thank you so much. Oh, no, thank you very much. What a lovely bit of synergy there, James, that our first guest from Liverpool is also our last guest from Liverpool on the Eurotrip this year. And nice as well to have that full circle moment where the first time we chatted to him, he was in a hotel room in New York State. And now he was just sort of 
on the go in the middle of Cambridge. I feel like that man never actually stops. <laughs> but no, so nice to celebrate Liverpool and yeah, whoever, wherever it is in Sweden next year, it certainly has a very high bar um, to follow. Bella, Eurovision's over for the year. I, I don't, I don't want to, don't want to bring it up. And you know, we ambushed you with the news that there's only one more episode of the Eurotrip left for the 2023 <laughs> season. <laughs> but Bella, what, what are you going to be up to in the off season? Are you going to fully detox yourself of Eurovision to get yourself prepared for 2024? Because something tells me 2024 might be quite a busy year for you, Eurovision wise. We'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah, I feel like I've not come to terms yet with the fact that there's not going to be like a semi-final next week. We're not going to be start looking at the stats, the numbers and, you know, assessing how rehearsals went. Um, today I went to put on some music and I went, uh, like, I don't necessarily actually want to listen to your Eurovision, maybe, right? But what else is there? Like, I, I literally, <laughs> I blanked and was like, uh, what do I put on? Like, um <laughs> Yeah, I've not really uh, come to terms with it yet, but um, I, I I feel like it's we have a good year ahead of us. That is that is my feeling. And also, you've got uh, is it Al Song Pesconson in the summer as well? That's kind of like a mini Eurovision Melfest kind of thing to sort of tide you over to. Absolutely, Al Song Pesconson uh, on SVT Play is a, yeah, it's an outdoor sort of um, concert with lots of with, with a lot of um, Melfest performers often appear there and then we have uh, Musikhjälpen in December which is this sort of charity event I guess you might call it if you translate it to English um, where we have lots of great performers uh, as well um, and I, I do feel we heard Loreen say something along the lines of a tour or similar uh, during her press conference so lots of great things coming up from, from Sweden I'm sure. If there's anything we know about Sweden, it's that the Melfest or or and or Eurovision train, it never stops, Bella. It never stops. <laughs> it's stuck with us like a tattoo. <laughs> hey, very good, very good. I was going to say, it won't be long until those rumoured Melfest names will start popping up in Aftonblad. We'll have to get Toby and you on again to talk about them. Bella, thank you so much for being uh, such an integral part of our 2023 Eurovision season, uh, as you thank always you are. And um, yeah, I hope you enjoy the off season and I'm sure it won't be long until we speak to you again soon. Thank you. And you. Take care. Bye. Bye. So there we are then. The penultimate episode of the Eurotrip for 2023 is almost done and dusted. Hopefully that has sort of been a good enough debrief from everything that happened uh, over the last week because it seemed like a bit of a roller coaster, didn't it, Rob? Yeah, we said that what we wanted to do with the podcast this week was have a nice, wholesome catch up with one of our best podcast pals and talk about everything that happened. And naturally, when Sweden won the contest, there was only one person we could do that with. So thank you very much to Bella Kvist for joining us. And uh, yeah, as we said it just before that, safe to say, I think Bella will be on the podcast just a few times next year in the build up to the contest in 2024. Yeah, I reckon so. Plenty of Swedish coverage uh, over the coming weeks and months. Well, I say coming weeks. Uh, we will be taking a break after next week. So we've got one more episode to bring you, which will be coming your way in seven days' time. And in seven days' time, we will be looking back on the highlights of everything that has happened over the course of the Eurovision year here in 2023. And we'll be joined by another friend of the podcast, a friend of the podcast that you haven't heard for a very, very long time. So a return of an old favourite on the podcast next week. I'm not sure they'd want me to call them an old favourite, but I've done it anyway. Just a favourite <laughs> will probably do. So yeah, we'll be back with you in seven days' time for your last episode of the 2023 season. In the meantime, don't forget you can keep in touch with us online. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. Hello at EurotripPodcast.com on the email and you can read all of our exclusive stories on EurotripPodcast.com. As well, make sure you subscribe, leave us a review and rate us five stars. From me, James, it's goodbye. And from me, Rob, it's goodbye.
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.